This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. I think having people over is a more modern way to think about it. There's so many old cookbooks that I have which talk about place settings and serving, you know, do you serve from the left or the right and all the formal stuff, which I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. Whether your dishes match and do you have all the right wine glasses and all that, because a lot of people don't know. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll hear about natural hangover remedies, We'll discuss top holiday home entertaining tips. We'll find out how to manage osteoarthritis and osteoporosis through exercise. And lastly, we'll learn which oils to cook with. But first, a little bit of business. Today's sponsor is Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's Unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with that great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try Activated Charcoal and Mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of the natural products in the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I love this time of year. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, This is the time of year where everybody is gearing up for the holiday season uh, with parties and get-togethers and eating and drinking. And let's face it, overdoing it, right? Oh, yes. We we as a society are known for being able to overdo it. Right. So we were discussing, obviously, before we came on the show, what we would be discussing this week. And I thought it would be really helpful to all our listeners who may be planning to overdo it (laughs) to discuss hangovers and how we can avoid them and what to do if we get them. Right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. And there are options. It's not a foregone conclusion. Correct. (laughs) Correct. And everybody has their own remedies, but let's, but there there are some truths behind the home remedies and and there are some things that we can do that don't necessitate us taking drugs. So let's start with what is a hangover and what are the symptoms? A hangover occurs when you overdo it with alcohol. Right. Either taking more than your body's used to or just taking way too much too fast. Yes. Because no matter who you are, unless you have a liver condition, your body will be able to metabolize alcohol, but at a given rate. And hangovers happen when we exceed that. Right. And what ends up happening is typically you experience headaches, feeling sick, dizzy, sleepy, in some cases confused, and thirsty. The big The big thing, though, is a lot of people have also their propensity to anger increases dramatically and their propensity to get into conflict increases dramatically. And those those are two you got to worry about big time. 
Yeah, it's particularly with everybody getting together with family over the holidays. And, you know, let's face it, who can push your buttons better than your own family, right? Afraid nerves are a common occurrence. Right. Oh, yeah. So you just got to be careful with that. The other thing is hangovers can happen at any time of day, but they're most common the morning after you overdo it because most people overdo it late afternoon and evening. Right. I would only assume if you overdo it in the morning, it's going to happen in the evening, right? In the evening, but that that's not a common occurrence. Okay. And, you know, I always conceptualized hangovers as essentially being sort of a spin-off effect of being dehydrated. It's a little more complicated than that. But but essentially, essentially what you're doing is you're dehydrating your body to an extreme extent over a short period of time. That's one of the yeah, things right. about it. Yes. It's not this whole thing, but it's one of the things. And it's one of the things we do have to address in order to help in any way. Okay. So let's talk about prevention. So let's say you are planning to drink and, you know, some people are quite, you know, quite honestly, they're working hard and they want to enjoy themselves over the holidays. So what can we do to prepare ourselves if we know we're going to get a hangover? Well, the first thing I would say, because I am someone who likes prevention, first thing is if you are going to drink and there's nothing wrong with that. The easiest way to do it, and yes, it may seem incredibly obvious, is to stay within your own limits. Right. And everyone's limit is different. Yours is different than mine. Right. Mine is different than my wife's. It, everyone's is different due to age, past history, rate of metabolism, weight. weight. Yeah, weight's a big one, right? Whether like, you eat or not, whether you're taking on an empty stomach, it, it all comes into play, and you have to know your own limits right. in order to stay within them. Right, and those <laughs> limits change as you get older. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I can hold my liquor, but I can tell you that the symptomology after drinking, I get much more extreme reactions now than I did, let's say, 10, 20 years ago. And I, I think that's probably normal for everybody as they get older. You know, you just it just affects you more intently. Oh, definitely. It's, it's just like eating. I can The amount of red meat I can have now is yeah. significantly different than it was 20 years ago. Right. Okay. And of course, you know, knowing your limits is, is one way. Not drinking is another, mm-hmm. I, I suppose. You yeah. know, like uh, if you don't want to get a hangover, don't drink. I'm not advocating for recreational cannabis, but there are other options Correct. if you don't want to drink and you don't like the symptomology of drinking. So. Uh, Myself, I regularly will attend business parties or personal parties, and yep. I will have virgin drinks. Yep. I just sit there with something. It's My favorite is just cranberry juice. Right. <laughs> I love it, and it works well. Good. Okay, so let's talk about what else we can do. So if you're not avoiding it and you still want to drink more than your limit, what can we do? Well, the first thing is, and I approach this by looking first at the most common myths. Right. The most common one was regarding drinking, uh, mixing drinks. Yeah. And what I mean by that, for example, is different kinds of drinks, be it shots and beer, beer and wine, beer and shots. Right. So hard liquor, soft liquor, different things and different sources. Right. There, it seems to be a lot of information out there anecdotal that doing this is going to increase your likelihood of a hangover, da, da, da. Yep. You'll get drunker faster. The science is actually different. Hmm. The science says that by itself, mixing will not change the rate of getting drunk and it will not also change the likelihood of having a hangover. What it will do though is it causes people to have impaired decision-making. I was going to say, like, you, you, it's hard to keep track of where you are That's it. and how drunk you're getting yep. when you're mixing drinks, particularly if you're, if you're not sort of aware of how much alcohol is in one drink as opposed to another. Agreed. 
What it ends up doing is, after a few drinks, the research says you're more likely to mix than you would be at the beginning. Right. And as soon as you do that, you actually end up drinking alcohol at a faster rate. Right. And you're correct. You do lose count. Yeah, My personal I, I, preference is to kind of stick with one alcohol, and and maybe it's just anecdotal for me. I seem to do better that way. Mm-hmm. For me, it's about getting an upset stomach. It's not necessarily about okay. the uh, about the headaches the next day, but to keep my stomach from rumbling. If I'm if I'm on wine, I'm on wine for the evening. If I'm doing cocktails, I'm doing cocktails, and that's uh, that works for me. Anyways, okay. Uh, coming back to what you said earlier about the diuretic yeah. effect, that happens to everyone. Simply put, alcohol is a diuretic, and in some people, it's a strong diuretic. In other people, it's a moderate diuretic. In very few people, it's weak. Right. And what happens is, lacking a better phrase, you pee more frequently. Yep. And when you do end up peeing, you actually pee more volume. Right. So you're draining your body of water, which it needs, on a faster basis. So what you want to do is drink water. Right. Drink water throughout. And what expert recommend doing is for every drink you do, glass of before water. you do the next one, do a glass of water. My personal preference is I do water with a little bit of chlorophyll in it. If you get some antioxidants in there at the same time. Nah, I don't know, Joel. That's yeah, how, I that's do how, that. I know. You got, you're all about the chlorophyll. <laughs> I love the stuff. I admit it openly. And the big thing also is immediately before you go to bed. That's what I was going to say. Have a Big glass of water. Yeah, and that was going to be my tip for what you do if you if you know one is coming on or you're in the you're already drunk is absolutely drink as much water as you can before you go to sleep and and, that, and it makes a difference for me. Oh yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that we can do as a preventative measure? I know there's an old wives' tale that if you have like a spoonful of olive oil, that might help by by sort of greasing up your intestines. Theory being that you don't uh, the alcohol doesn't get absorbed into your system as quickly. Have you read anything about that? I saw a couple notes towards yeah. that, but I couldn't find any science on yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if there is any science on it. Could that. not find that. But what I did find science on, and this one actually surprised me, is that hangovers often are associated with low blood sugar. Oh. I did not see that one coming when I started researching this. Um, it's not a major cause, but it's a frequent cause. And they were very... Distinct in that phraseology, I had trouble parsing that out myself. <laughs> that seems counterintuitive because there's high sugar levels in most alcohol, and particularly if you're having cocktails or wine, mm-hmm. you're ingesting more sugar. Uh, That's that, but they say it's they can track it. So what they suggest doing is having a balanced bit of food before you start drinking. Okay. While you're drinking, consume food, and they didn't make a difference between meals versus snacks. They just said food. Okay. And at the end, they said, have a little snack before you go to sleep. And in the morning, have a nice, healthy breakfast. Yes. So eat, a lot of people cure their hangovers. Let, let, let's transition into what do you do if you have a hangover? Because a lot of people the next, the next day will uh, talk about eating a big breakfast as being helpful. The research didn't show anything about a big breakfast. It did talk about a healthy breakfast. Okay. And that does definitely help. It gets your body back to somewhat of balance. Okay. Is there any lifestyle decisions that we can make that might help us not get a a hangover? Like is exercise or sleep going to help us? It won't help prevent the hangover, but what it will do is help you get over them faster and reduce the severity right. of them. I, I, Sleep is a big one. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. No, no, I was going to say, for me, I actually, if I know I'm going to go out for a party, I will schedule a workout the next morning. 
even though I'm feeling craptacular, <laughs> getting into the gym always re- releases endorphins. Yep. And if I can work out through the headache, I end up feeling way better. Sorry, go on. No problem. So the big thing is the common phrase for that is called sweating out a hangover. Yeah. Now, it's a bit of a dichotomy. If you do moderate in your comfort zone, there's a ton of good research that says it releases endorphins, norepinephrine, and adrenaline that boost your energy, your mood, your motivation, and they give you pleasure so your body relaxes and gets through better. Yeah. However, if you go over that line and sweat and actually truly sweat a fair bit, you cause the dehydration to get significantly worse Ah. and you'll prolong the hangover and the dreaded dreaded nasty headaches will get worse okay so you got to watch that or make sure you're hydrating correct okay let's go right into your wheelhouse and talk about herbal remedies that might be helpful in dealing with hangovers so the system that i i presume is dealing with the alcohol the most is the liver right like like well there's two there's two stages to this okay go ahead first is inflammation Mm -hmm. second is the liver because they found that there's a, a tight correlation between the amount of inflammation in your body and the severity of hangovers. Oh. So if you can tackle your inflammation before you even start drinking on a regular basis, you're less likely to have a severe hangover. And if you do get a hangover, it'll just be mild. That's amazing. I did not know that. Yep. So I, I learned that as well. Well, that's a new one. No, that's that's really cool. So so how can we deal with inflammation up, up front? What would you recommend? Well, what my go-to just yeah. happened to be the ones they also recommend, yeah. coincidentally enough, uh, ginger and turmeric. Yep. Taking ginger and turmeric on a regular basis, the way I personally do it is I do it in two different ways. I have ginger turmeric tea that I make from fresh ginger and fresh turmeric all the time. Mm -hmm. Additionally to that, I take capsules daily. Okay. Simple, easy, no muss. Part of the reason I do the tea is I actually enjoy the flavor. Ginger's Mm -hmm. great. Love it. The other supplements that they have been looking at and they've done research and found to be effective against hangovers are imperial ginseng ginger and prickly pear hmm. and there's there's some good studies on them that they can help prevent it before it even starts interesting what about liver support is that relevant liver support is incredibly relevant because what happens is your liver is the organ most responsible for taking and handling toxins one of which is alcohol right. alcohol is a toxin let's face it folks yep what happens is it gets metabolized in the liver the nastiest parts of it are held in the liver and then released. So what you want to do is make sure your liver is healthy and up to the task long before you start. And at the same time, you want to help your liver after you're doing it to recover itself. Right. And let's be clear here. There's nothing you're going to take in the week or the day <laughs> oh, lead, gosh, lead, no. leading up to drinking that's going to do liver support, that's going to help you not have a hangover or process the alcohol. This is more of a lifestyle choice. So Definitely. Right. right? So th- these types of things that we're suggesting, these herbal remedies, there's no panacea that's going to happen the week before. You got oh, to you be living the lifestyle for this oh, yeah. part to work. Living yeah. right does help even when you're overdoing it. Right. And the big three here are milk thistle, Turmeric again and activated charcoal. But I do want to make a statement here. Sure. There is a lot of information out there, or I would call it misinformation, about activated charcoal being something that absorbs alcohol from you and stops it from even getting into your system. There is zero, I repeat, zero science to support that. Okay. And it's not like your body's like an aquarium where you put the charcoal in <laughs> yeah. and it filters out all the impurities, right? No, no, no. because I know people would think that for sure, right? Like, because they. 
ah, you can read articles that talk about charcoal as being this great filter. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know where you're coming from because I've read those articles, right? Okay, that's good advice. We, we have a couple minutes left. So we were talking about some of the symptomology, upset stomach, sort of aches and pains, mental fog. Mm-hmm. What are some other herbal remedies that can help with those symptoms if you already have your hangover? Not a problem. For the upset stomach, ginger and activated charcoal are great. So ginger's a big one here. Oh, ginger's wonderful. I'm a firm believer. I take. I always have fresh ginger in the fridge. Okay. 100% of the time. And when it goes on sale, I stock up. Okay, good. <laughs> For mental fog, you've got green tea, ginkgo biloba, medium-chain triglycerides, which surprised me, and fish oil. Hmm. Any, all of them in combination, no problems there. Aches and pains, my two favorite there, ginger and turmeric. And to help people get to sleep, because sleep is really important, you do have to have a good night's sleep after you drink, passionflower, chamomile, lavender, and those just in a tea, any of them alone or in combination, they're all pleasant tasting, just a little bit of honey, and you're off to the races. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure, and have amazing holiday season. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to discuss healthy holiday entertaining on The Tonic. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Centre is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. The new 8,300-square-foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy, and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage, and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory, plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments, and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com. Chronic stress has far-reaching negative effects on the mind and body. The Roziva brand of products offers natural and quick-acting solutions for health issues that might result from stress, including fatigue, low mood and anxiety, cognitive decline, digestive disturbances, and poor sex life. To receive a six-day sample for any of the Roziva products, send an email to solutions at nantonnutra.com, N-A-N-T-O-N-N-U-T-R-A.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. In addition to being a lawyer, my next guest has been writing for Tonic Magazine for over five, six years. Since 2015, she's written the very popular cookbook review column, My Wife Naomi. Hi, sweetheart. Hi. So it is holiday entertaining season when you have people over. It is. And that makes people stress out. Why why do you think that is? Well, for one thing, at this time of year, people are already stressed out. And then entertaining is over and above that. So I think there's a few reasons. They might be insecure about their cooking, insecure about their house, worried about how much time it's going to take. And some of them should be, right? (laughs) No, I'm joking. (laughs) That's the opposite. I I know, I know. I'm I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Oh, my, I don't have time and now I have to clean up my house and I already have to do my shopping and my mother-in-law is very critical and she's not going to like my cooking. And, you know, there's this Martha Stewart idea that everything needs to be done, set, you know, you need to greet your guests. When in a hostess gown or whatever, like with effort, everything perfect, effortlessly and everything seemingly all done. effortlessly, yeah. yes, yeah. and it's hard to reach that. 
You know, you might also be worried about like you're having a party and is everybody going to get along? Do they like each other? Is, you know, uncle whatever going to fight with the cousin? What is uncle so-and-so going to (laughs) say that's going to set us off? Yeah. 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 And you are not the only one who's stressed. Everybody's a little bit on edge and they have high expectations. So they want to have fun and they want to, you know, have a good meal and a good time. At the same time, everybody's a little bit on edge. Wow. This sounds horrible. No, it's a good thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make it easier. Okay, yes, that's true. So there's a distinction between sort of having people over casually and entertaining, right? Yeah, and I think having people over is a more modern way to think about it. There's so many old cookbooks that I have which talk about place settings and serving, you know, do you serve from the left or the right and all the formal stuff, which I'm not saying it doesn't have a place, but it doesn't have a place in most people's home you know, meals. Well, it certainly doesn't make for an upbeat atmosphere if you're worried about which knife or fork you should be using. Mm -hmm. Or knife or spoon or fork. Yeah, people always know what knife to use. Yeah, and whether you're you know, dishes match and do you have all the right wine glasses and all that because a lot of people don't know or don't care. doesn't matter. Okay, so when you're entertaining, there's, there's all sorts of different ways to entertain and everybody's sort of different, right? Like some people just seem to have a joie de vivre and their get-togethers are whimsical and other people tend to be planners, right? (laughs) Yes, other people. Yeah, so I mean, there's a fun article that I found in a website called The Kitchen and it's about discover your summer entertaining style based on your Myers-Briggs personality type. Whether it's summer, winter, it doesn't matter. A lot of people have taken the Myers-Briggs test. It talks about introvert, extrovert, you know, planning, big picture thinker, detail person, you know, are you interested in feelings or thoughts, is that kind of thing. And so they break down based on your Myers-Briggs result, what kind of entertainer would you be? So are you artistic? You know, are you caring, worrying about everybody's likes and dislikes? Do you like to plan? Do you like everything to be perfect? Are you going to wait to the last minute to do it? Is everything going to be late? And, you know, some people are going to be like, it's called for seven. Seven is when everybody should be there and other people will call it for seven and then dinner is not ready till nine. So everybody's different and the way they're going to entertain is going to be different as a result of that. We, you and I, are both INTJ, which translates to big picture thinkers and planners, architects is the way it was described. So we like to think about the menu, think about how it's all going to roll out, plan for it. But then halfway through dinner, we kind of want everybody to leave already. Not (laughs) even halfway. Sometimes sometimes when they walk in the door, I'm ready for them to go. No, that's not true. So, (laughs) you know, when I'm thinking about, I want to have people over, I'm going to do it one way. Other people are going to do it a different way. It's not right or wrong. You just have to think about the way it's going to work for you and not stress you out. And basically, let's give people, okay, so now we sort of defined what entertaining is all about. Now let's see if we can help them get through the entertaining season. What, What do you have for us? So for me, I say, and keeping in mind what I just said about my personality type, I I do like to plan. How far in advance you plan is going to be up to you. Uh, But I like to make sure, obviously, I have the ingredients in hand so I I know what I'm going to make. I'm not rushing out at the last minute to buy something that I forgot, which is just annoying and, you know, an additional thing to do. I don't want to be frazzled when people come. I don't want to still be cooking when my guests arrive unless it's something that I know I'm going to be cooking. And other people are fine with that. So I like to think about what I want to make. How much room do I have in my oven? What needs to be hot or not hot? Does anybody have any dietary restrictions or allergies? You know, are they young, old? Mm, Is there something... um, so I want to 
there a new recipe I want to try? Do I want to go Italian, right. Asian, you know, whatever? I like to think about that in advance. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, there's things like if you're going to try, if you want to try some new recipes, you also want to make sure you have some old standbys that you can do like effortlessly because if you're trying something new, that recipe may or may not work. So you don't want to have everything sort of in chaos. You, you want to have some stuff that you know is going to be fine. And then you can experiment maybe with a few dishes. Right. That's good advice. And then some people would say, oh, I don't want to experiment at all. Right. I, I yeah. do like to, cause there's so many good recipes, so many new things to try. It wouldn't be fun if I just made the same old things, but somebody else, you know, might not feel that way. True. Okay, so what kind of resources are available if somebody wants to entertain, but they just don't have that skill set developed? Well, there's a lot of entertaining or cookbooks about having people over. But the one I want to talk about today is Alison Roman. Recent cookbook just came out in um, October. And uh, it's called Nothing Fancy, which kind of describes the way the cookbook uh, you know, what it's about. So she specifically says it's not entertaining. It's having people over and you shouldn't stress about it. And she has different, you know, recipes and suggestions as to how to execute that. So there's a few tips that she gave, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm passing along. And I, you know, I think are helpful. One, ask for help. She said she's also a control freak and delegating doesn't come easy, but it is a good idea because guests like it. And if you can offload the fruit plate, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's the one to get rid of. And even if they haven't brought it in advance, like get them involved when they come in, they don't mind, you know, give them a drink, let them chop something or arrange something and they'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And, and I would add this, it's particularly good for introverted guests if you're having people over and they don't all know each other. So ask one person to help and then they're... They're not standing around feeling awkward. And, you know, if you're having a small get-together, you might want to consider bringing the get-together into the kitchen as opposed to the dining room, right? Because it's cozier. And if people are watching you while you're prepping, it kind of has a more informal feel to it, which might be better for the get-together. I don't know. It does. And I mean, I've heard that many times and she also says it in this book. Another thing, pick your battles. You know, she says it's a fool's errand to try to make everything piping hot at the same time. You know, so serve something at room temperature, serve something, you know, plan for something's going to be hot, but something's going to be cold. And just that, that goes back to my point about planning. Actually think about what you're going to be serving and, you know, can you get everything ready at the same time? Right. The timing of it is crucial. You don't want everything to have to be made at the last minute Mm -hmm. because something will give. Mm -hmm. So good advice too. Uh, Never apologize. It's not a restaurant. No one expects it to be one. If they wanted to go to a restaurant, then you would have gone to a restaurant. Like they know they're going to your home. Food will be good. The company will be good. It's a different experience. So just don't stress about it. And the last thing that I took from the book was, you know, what's old is new. She suggests a martini bar, baked potato bar, cheese plate, crudite platter, all these things that are classics. And she's kind of reinventing them and saying, no, no, you, you know, you, you can yep. still use them. You should use them when you're having people over. There's a reason they're classics. Yeah. So we should talk about a party that we have coming up because mm-hmm. we haven't planned our menu yet. What are you thinking? That's right. We are having people over in a couple of weeks. When I like to start, I think about one thing that I want to make. I really want to try this pasta or this meat or whatever, and then I plan the rest of the menu. Alison Roman also says, you know, it's easy to start with the main course and then plan around that, and that makes some sense. So we're having a dinner for about eight people, a couple of kids, one really picky eater who's a kid, one picky eater who's an adult. Somebody No names here. Yeah, no no names. (laughs) Uh, And somebody who has allergies. So, you know, what do you do? Okay, main course, slow-roasted oregano chicken with buttered tomatoes. 
apparently is very delicious. I haven't tried it yet because I just got the book. Mm-hmm. Low and slow rib roast with rosemary and anchovy. Everybody likes a rib roast. Everybody likes like I'm kind of I, I I like that the sound of that. Uh, and you know an interesting point. Yes, rib roast is expensive. It's an yeah. expensive cut of meat, but then that's really the centerpiece, and you can throw in some potatoes and a salad, and you kind of got a yep. lot of your meal there, um, which is easy and not expensive. So something to think about, too. Vegetarian ricotta stuffed shells with burrata, mushrooms, and herbs, or even a pizza party is a good idea. So lots of different options there. Mm-hmm. Then if we went with a rib roast, we could do shrimp cocktail, the martini bar, Little gem lettuces uh, with a garlicky lemon and pistachio or almond dressing. Uh, we were dressing. just out for dinner. The little gem lettuces yeah. are on every menu right now. Yes, they're seasonal and they're really, really great. Creamy cauliflower and onion gratin sounds good. There's a number of a number of different options, and with the chicken or the pasta, same thing. You know, lots of options: greens, garlicky. Everything she has is right. strongly flavored, and um, it's kind of interchangeable in terms ha- of what would go. I have one last question for you, and it's yeah. the most important question: What are we having for dessert? For dessert, what about a chocolate hazelnut cake? Now we're not going to have hazelnut, but we could make it with almonds. You know, that would be a showstopper dessert: hazelnut and sour cream. Or even an updated uh, tiramisu, casual apple tart with caramelized buttermilk. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but they all sound good. We have to debate this off air. We do. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show today. And next month, we're going to discuss cooking with fruit, right? Yes. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn how to exercise with arthritis and osteoporosis on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. At Caregiver Services Limited, we specialize in 12 to 24-hour private care for seniors in private homes, hospitals, or facilities. We provide the highest level of customized service for families looking for a caregiver or personal support worker. To ensure the highest quality of care and support, we limit the number of clients we service. Whether you're looking for general live-in care or have more significant needs related to mobility issues, dementia, or palliative care, finding someone who's a great fit is most important. At Caregiver Services Limited, our highly experienced staff specialize in meeting the unique needs of 12 to 24-hour care. For more information, please visit caregiverservices.ca. Let our family help care for yours. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a fitness expert, nutritionist, life coach, monthly guest on BT Montreal and Rogers Ottawa, and author of the books Finding Your Fit and the new Your Fittest Future Self. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. Today, we're going to discuss exercise in the context of some conditions that I I think some of our listeners may have, and that's osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. Correct. And I love talking about this subject because I feel that 
For so many people, exercise is hard to make themselves do anyway. And then if you get diagnosed with something like um, arthritis or osteoporosis, you're like, oh, man, now I should do less and more discouraging. When really being told you have either of these issues to manage is just one more reason to actually exercise because you can make yourself feel better, right? And you need to exercise even more. So as opposed to being something that causes you to feel more frustrated and overwhelmed, it can hopefully be a galvanizing force to, you know, get yourself to the gym or do whatever is your version of your fit. Yeah. And and if people can take anything away from this discussion, it's that you should still exercise. Absolutely. You should exercise appropriately, right? You know, don't go out and run a marathon tomorrow if you haven't been active and don't go try to lift 300 pounds if you haven't lifted weight. So it's not, yeah, we're going to tell you that strength training is really great if you have arthritis, I mean, sorry, um, osteoporosis, but that doesn't mean that you can do it unintelligently, right? Like you have to still be smart and work appropriately and do all of those things. But it is hopefully a motivating piece of information to hear that you will be your fittest future, less painful self if you can find appropriate ways to move. Okay. So what's the difference between osteoporosis and osteoarthritis? So basically osteoporosis affects the bone, whereas osteoarthritis affects the cartilage between the bone. And they sound very similar. So people often get confused, but it's important to figure out why exactly you're dealing with because the parameters are slightly different. So for osteoporosis, because it affects the bone, you really want to think uh, motions that work against gravity. So strength training is really good. Impact is good. Again, within appropriate bounds, Mm -hmm. but walking is really good. Now, I'm not arguing don't do things like aquafit, but if you have osteoporosis, aquafit is not going to help with bone strength. With bone strength, you really have to be working against gravity. Whereas if you have osteoarthritis, something like aquafit is going to be something that's going to really help you because it promotes synovial fluid motion within your joint. It also um, is without gravity, right? So because you have less cartilage between your joints, something that you can do in the water is going to actually feel um, better and it's better for you. So it's again, it's sort of managing it. Right. So I always understood osteoporosis, it's better to to build up your muscle density because it helps with stability and helps uh, deal with, you know, bones that aren't as strong. And osteoarthritis, you want to do low impact so that you're not putting more pressure on the joints. Right? Yeah, like for both you would you need to work on your muscular strength. So it's yeah. not that one is muscles and the other is not. Actually with osteoarthritis, the better your biomechanics are, the less pull you're going to have on a joint. So I often tell clients that you okay. want to think about arthritis as a lower margin of error, meaning let's say you have really tight uh, lateral quads, which is the outside of your legs. Yep. If you're, you know, a 15-year-old boy with perfect joints, then you can have all the pull on your on your knee that you want you won't have any pain. Um, whereas if you're, you know, 60, 70, 80, and you have osteoarthritis, and you have this really tight outer quad and not very strong inner quad, not very strong core, and that pulls on the joint, that's going to create some pain. So biomechanics and, and muscle strength is important for both conditions. It's just how you go about doing it. So the trick to remember is because with osteoporosis, you're trying to build the strength of your bone, you want to be within gravity. You want to be lifting weights. You want to be walking. You want to do moderate impact, depending, of course, where you fall on the continuum, because both falls on a continuum, right? You can have moderate yep. osteoporosis or, or like osteoporosis. Um, or more severe. So that's important to know. So both of them are important for, uh, to promote muscle strength, whereas, but with osteoarthritis, you want to be in the water or you want to be doing lighter walking versus running, right? It's just about where on the continuum you fall. Okay. So what 
sorts of choices, lifestyle choices, can we make if we have osteoporosis? Well, so one of the things that you want to be wary of with osteo is things that flex you forward, things that rotate you, or what's called lateral bending, so think going to the side. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure if you are going to the gym and you are lifting weights or you're lifting weights at home, you want to stay away from things like crunches, right? Mm -hmm. Especially weighted crunches um, and a lot of rotational exercises. So, you know... Russian twists are not going to be a great example. Wood right. chops are not going to be good for you, right? Yeah. So you want to do more things like planks and side planks and bird dogs, things that keep your spine fairly neutral. Um, and that core connects to your everyday life. So you want to think about learning at the gym how to hinge at your waist so you're keeping your back neutral. So if you're putting on your socks or your shoes, for example, you want to try hinging versus bending over. If you're bending, like you're picking something off the floor, squatting with proper form is really important versus just bending over. Um, Even getting in and out of bed, um, going to see a physio that could help you learn how to uh, roll out of bed so you keep your spine straight versus like flexing all the way up and doing like a big crunch to get out of bed. So there's definitely lifestyle modifications that you can make, again, depending on where you are on the continuum. You don't have to worry so much about those grand lifestyle changes if you are at the lower end of the osteoporosis continuum, although it's good to learn them so you create habits for later on in your life. Okay. So when you say you you, you can't do, or you shouldn't do crunches with osteoporosis, are there core exercises that you can do and should do? Absolutely. Core is extremely important because the stronger your core, the taller you're going to stand, the better posture. Your core helps absorb and dissipate forces um, as you walk and as you move. So core is extremely important. But you want to think more exercises like planks, side planks, bird dogs, where your spine stays neutral. So definitely not uh, crunches, but really also not weighted crunches. So if you are going to do anything where you bend forward, don't add like any weight to it. Okay. Basically, because it affects osteoporosis, affects what's called your trabecular bone within your spine. So that's like the packing the packing stuff in a box, right? So if you think about a bunch of boxes up your spine, as the trabecular bone gets less strong, your spine, your boxes can wedge and fracture if you do too much bending forward, especially with the weight and that's lower rotational forces. So that's why that's key. Okay. How do we deal with sort of the extrinsic issues that might come up, like colder and damper weather that we're experiencing now? Oh, such a good question. You know, I think with all of health, the trick is awareness and preparation. So you know that winter's coming. So figure out ways that you can be fit and healthy, even when it's snowing. So set up a little home gym, go to the mall and do wall um, walking around the mall. Know that your balance is going to be an issue in, in the snow. So do some balance exercises at home. Stand on one leg when you're waiting for the kettle or at the gym, add in some balance exercises to your routine. You know, it, with arthritis, know that it's going to be harder to move. And movement is really important with that osteoarthritis. So join an Oxford class or get a, as I said, get a walking buddy that you can go to the local mall and uh, walk around. Get maybe an accountability buddy that you email every week and sort of say, okay, there's a lot of snow on Tuesday and Thursday. What should I do on those days? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe get a step tracker and walk around your house. So there's always solutions. You know, my mom always taught me that you have to have a fine solutions attitude in life. So I think especially with the colder weather, well, with anything really, you have to sort of look in advance on a Sunday, you know, and say, okay, what is what my week bringing and how do I fit movement into my life? How do I make this possible? Like if moving is a non-negotiable and if I know that moving is going to make me feel better and I want my bones to be strong as I get older and um, I don't want to have a fracture and I don't want to fall, all of these things, then it's like, okay, well, I'm aware that this is important, so how do I make it happen? That makes sense. Now, we've sort of focused in on exercising, but 
what else can we do from a lifestyle perspective that can help with osteoporosis? You know, I think it's knowing your parameters and also just being willing to ask for help. So going to see a nutritionist to deal with um, making sure you're getting enough calcium for your bone health, right? Talking to your doctor and seeing, is there a physio that I can talk to? Uh, maybe having an occupational therapist come to your house and figure out ways that you can modify anything there. Asking for help from a friend or even just a loved one, like if you've been diagnosed with osteoporosis, say to your husband, you know, this is my bone health is really important. So I need you to come for a walk with me every night after dinner. You know, I think that health takes a village and our life, it's important to reach out. And sometimes we get embarrassed and we think that we have to keep it all to ourselves and sort of shamed for health. But, you know, if you have a lot of snow, you have to be careful about shoveling snow. So learn proper form or ask somebody to help or hire somebody to do it like don't be afraid to say like these are my limits because it really is terrible to fall right and so putting yourself into situations where you're more likely to fall is not as helpful as just saying like okay it's going to be really snowy on Tuesday maybe I uber it to my appointment versus trying to navigate the TTC or maybe I ask a friend to join me or something like that yeah what are your thoughts on on sort of doing a flexibility practice like yoga to help with balance and, and to help perhaps uh, with movement uh, of the joints as well? You have such great questions. So the thing with yoga is you have to make sure that you get an informed instructor because yoga involves a lot of flexion forward rotation through your spine, right? So mm-hmm. you can do yoga that's really great, but especially if, if you have osteoporosis, you have to make sure the person who's teaching you knows because it can feel good in the moment, but not be great for your spine. So do I think a flexibility program is good? Absolutely. Do I think that especially things like yoga where you're in bare feet are great to improve your proprioception and your deep stabilizing muscles in your feet? Absolutely. But do I think that yoga, all types of yoga is great for all types of people? No, it's, you know, with everything, it's really about finding your fit and finding the version that's right for you and finding the instructor that's intelligent enough and knows about your condition. So, you know, especially with arthritis, you want to be careful of stretching too much. You don't want to overstretch the joint because you need it to have stability, right? Because it doesn't have that cartilage, so you need the strength. So is flexibility good? Absolutely. But if you have an instructor who's like, push, 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 you know, not so good. And earlier we were speaking about osteoporosis and core work and planks, right? So for arthritis, you actually don't want to be holding those isometric poses for too long because you want to promote what's called synovial fluid in the joint. So for arthritis, you would want to get a yoga instructor who knows that and doesn't hold you in, in positions for too long, right? So it's all about knowing your body and being an intelligent consumer. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My absolute pleasure. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss finding the right oil for the right cooking on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. 
It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Carolyn Tanner-Cohen, is owner and founder of Delicious Dish Cooking School in Toronto. She's been teaching cooking classes for 17 years. She has a science background which edifies her interest in health and fueling the body with foods that will optimize health. Carolyn teaches people how to meal plan, eat healthy, cook with natural whole foods, and organize their kitchen. She teaches new cooks, seasoned cooks, university students who are living on their own for the first time, nannies, housekeepers, and everyone in between. For more information about Carolyn, you can visit deliciousdish.ca. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. Good. I apologize. I'm a little congested today. Are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stay on my side of the table. Definitely. Right? I, don't definitely. Need, I don't need to get sick. And it's radio. So nobody out there is going to get sick. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I agree with you. So today we're going to talk about oil, Yep. but not oil like in the sense of like oil and vinegar on a salad, but cooking yes. with oils. Because some people only cook with one kind of oil, but there's a myriad of different types and they each have their benefits. Yes, definitely. So let's start in a different tangent though. Is there an oil that you would not cook with? Yes, there is an oil that I would not cook with. What is it? And there is a school of thought that some people really like it and some people really don't. I don't like canola oil. Why is that? It's a manufactured oil. It's not a natural product and it has a funny fishy flavor when heated. So I don't like canola oil. Okay, when you say it's manufactured, what do you mean? It's not like a, it's not a natural product. It doesn't come from a seed, or it doesn't come from an olive, or it doesn't come from a coconut. Where it, does it come from? It's manufactured in a lab. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought yeah. it was grown. It's not grown, and it's. I mean, it's gotten a lot of hype because it's good for you and it's low in saturated fat. But it's not my kind of thing. Okay, it's also Canadian too, right? It, we, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, so but anyway, it's not my first choice of oil. All right, well, let's talk. Let's talk. But it's well priced. Okay, so let's when we're talking about what makes a good cooking oil. Yeah. Th- there's a couple things to consider. Absolutely. Right? So two of the main ones, and I know you want to touch upon this, is the smoke point of the oil. Yep. And the flavor of the and oil. the flavor. Those are the two considerations. Okay, so let's. Okay. What is a smoke point? What do you mean? Okay, by that? so a smoke point is the temperature at which the oil will start to smoke and then becomes bad for you or harmful for you. It will release free radicals, and therefore it'll be damaging for you. It could be damaging to your immune system. Right, and, and, it, and it changes the flavor of the oil. Absolutely, too, right? absolutely. And it has unwelcome consequences for your health in general. Okay. Okay. So there is a ranking of smoke point for your oils, okay? Mm-hmm. So first of all, a less refined oil will have a lower smoke point than a more refined oil. So for instance, a less refined olive oil or a less refined or an unrefined coconut oil, it will have impurities in it. You'll see impurities in it. And therefore, that oil will have a lower smoke point, whereas a more refined oil will have a higher smoke point. When you say lower smoke point, higher smoke point. Yeah, we're going to talk about temperature. What we're we're really talking about is the temperature at which there is this chemical change. Exactly. And when you say it's lower, what that means is you cannot turn up the heat as much because when you do 
do, the oil cannot take that heat. Exactly. It converts. Exactly. So if you want to saute or fry or sear something where you're going to get like a good crust yes, or a good brown, like a stir fry or searing a steak, you have to use an oil that has a higher smoke point. Okay. Okay. Now, it's tough because a lot of people like to use olive oil for yep. a lot of the cooking. Now, you can and okay, I do. So let, yeah. Okay, so let's start off with my go-and-grab, grab-to favorite oil that has a high smoke point, and the smoke point being almost 500 degrees, is grapeseed oil. Mm-hmm. The smoke point is 494 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Okay? Yep. So that's my number one go-to. Grab. So what I do, actually, Jamie, is I'll have a squeeze bottle, like, you know, a 500 ml squeeze bottle full of grapeseed oil sitting right on my counter so it's easy to grab when I'm cooking. Now, the other thing is I have an extra virgin olive oil squeeze bottle, a smaller one, but an extra virgin olive oil squeeze bottle sitting right on my counter. Also, we'll get into that shortly. Okay. Okay. We're using that for cooking though, right? Well, cooking, when you talk cooking, what are you talking about? Cooking with heat or cooking without heat? Well, I thought we were talking about with heat Well, we're going to talk a bit about with both. Okay. okay? Because we're going to talk about flavor. Okay. Okay. So then we talk no heat also. So the next one is safflower or sunflower. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that one is just slightly below grapeseed in terms of smoke point. It's 470 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Okay. So that's another great grab and go. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a little bit cheaper than grapeseed oil. So Mm -hmm. that's nice too. So we were talking about price at the end of this conversation. You and I talked about it before, but we'll talk about it in tandem, I think. Okay. And then believe it or not, the next one that I use mm-hmm. that has a quite a high smoke point is olive oil, not extra virgin, right. but just straight up olive oil. And that is 550 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, so it can go even hotter. It, yeah, it actually can. No, well, grapeseed is 494. Right. Okay. Sunflower, safflower is 470. And then olive oil is five, uh, sorry, 450. Did I say right. 550? Oh, I apologize. 450. Okay. Okay. So that's third down the list. Now, it's actually not third down the list temperature wise, but it's third down the list in my ranking of the oils that I use. So a higher smoke point would be peanut oil. And then higher after that would be canola oil, but I don't use really either of those two. Why don't you use peanut? No reason. There's really no reason. Um, I have a lot of people with allergies, so that I don't use it for that reason. I just, I just don't really have it in my house. Okay. So I don't use it or in my cooking. Canola oil, we talked about that already. So straight up olive oil, not extra virgin, is a fantastic oil to be using for searing and frying because mm-hmm. of the smoke point. And it's good for you. We could get into that a little bit later. The other thing that's really good is refined coconut oil. Okay. Not unrefined. Because yes. that has impurities that has a very low smoke point. Yep. Okay. And the last one that I use, but not often, is avocado oil. Now, both those last two are a little more pricey. They're more pricey. Avocado oil has a bit of a taste, which is fine. And it has a smoke point of 412 degrees. Okay. Now, just to have a, a measure here, extra virgin olive oil has a smoke point of 410 as well. Mm-hmm. And extra virgin coconut oil or unrefined coconut oil has a smoke point of 400. What about butter? So butter also is a is a medium smoke point. So I don't know the exact one, but ghee has mm-hmm. a very high smoke point. Right. That's clarified that's butter. That's clarified butter. So that's a great thing too. So that means the milk solids have been removed. Yeah, exactly. And you could actually buy ghee ready to go. You don't actually have to make it. Right. I don't really use it because I don't really use a lot of dairy in my cooking, but it's a fantastic oil to be used as well. Well, I like, you know, let, let's talk about flavor for a second yeah. because, yeah. you know, there are some things... They yep. just go with butter. So, for example, for sh- sure. shallots are mushrooms. Amazing. Mushrooms, yep. are, uh, steak, 
Exactly. Yes. Sometimes butter, the flavor of butter, the nuttiness that yes. comes out when you when you heat it up, yep. really makes a difference. Let's talk about some so, of the oils. So you know what I would do if you really like butter? Yeah. It, and you don't have ghee. Yeah. Okay. Is you could put a little pat of butter and a little bit of olive oil right. into the same pan, and then you've kind of mixed up the smoke points. Correct. So that's great. I do that when I do a steak. Yep. And mushrooms too. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about flavor. So oils will often take on the flavor of the whole food that they've been derived from. And actually, you'd be surprised. They take on a lot of flavor. So if you're cooking with something that'll go with olive oil, then by all means, cook with olive oil. So that is, olive oil is my number one go-to, so long as the food uh, will go with the olive oil flavor. Okay. Okay? Yep. If I want a neutral oil, which often you do want, you go for grapeseed oil. Right. It's lighter. It's much lighter. It has a pretty neutral taste, not much of a flavor in general. I use coconut oil a lot. Mm -hmm. in my cooking. Um, But again, you have to keep the heat lower. So for general sautéing, as opposed to searing, like, you know, a quick little sauté of mushrooms or a quick little sauté of onion or garlic, olive oil, coconut oil are my two go-tos. See, I find with coconut oil, it has the most distinctive flavor of all It really does. But did you know that you could buy a coconut oil that's called ideal for baking? It actually says it right on the container, and it says ideal for baking. All that means is that the flavor is very mild. Okay. Okay. So it doesn't mean that it's ideal for baking because it's ideal for baking and the baking comes out better. It's just great because it doesn't have a lot of flavor. So I will make a lot of cakes and cookies with coconut oil as long as um, if I want to keep it dairy free. Otherwise, I use butter. Okay. Which oil has uh, the best health benefits or the least bad health uh, well, detractions? I think that they all have different health benefits. So olive okay. oil obviously is by far the best one for you. It's unsaturated. It's my go-to oil for sure for cooking. So regular olive oil, not extra virgin, if you want to sear something. And then if you don't want to sear something and you just want to saute, medium smoke point, sauteing or even baking, because I do use extra virgin in baking, Mm -hmm. I'll use olive oil. For most of my salad dressings, I'm going to use olive oil because then you're actually eating the olive oil and you're not heating it at all. Right. And you want to go for a higher quality olive oil over. So like after you finish even cooking vegetables, it's called finishing oil, like finishing salt. Right. It's it's going to add tons of flavor and richness to whatever it is you're adding. Exactly. But did you know that some of the olive oils you'll buy on the shelf are mixed with other kinds of oils? Yes, I do know that. So do you know how to tell if it's not mixed? I do not. Okay. If you put your olive oil in the fridge. Yeah. Or let's say you leave it in your car too long and it's winter. Yep. <laughs> the olive oil will become solid and will congeal. Okay. And if it's mixed with other oils, it will not. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you make a salad dressing with what you think is olive oil and you put your salad dressing in the fridge and yeah. it does not congeal, yeah. it has other oils I, in it. I got the real stuff because yeah. it always congeals. I know. So what do you do when you want to make the salad? Uh, you shake it up. So you shake it, it up, or yeah. Yeah, you maybe you tuck it into your yeah. body for a few minutes. Yeah. Hold it. Yeah. <laughs> I often hold it really close. Or you could just leave it on your counter for a little while. I don't put it in the microwave. Excellent, excellent advice. Thank you so okay. much for coming on the show You're today. You're so welcome. Look forward to next month. Next month, we're going to talk about mood-boosting foods, right? We are. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at 
Please join us next week on The Tonic, where we'll discuss the value of group travel, 10 ways to practice mindfulness over the holidays, and choosing healthy meals when you don't like cooking. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.